Welcome to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. I'm Pete Sampson with Tim Priester and Tim O'Malley after Notre Dame's 34-31 loss to Virginia Tech. We could start a million places. We could start with the non-targeting. We could start with the pass interference on Cole Luke. We could start with Deshaun Kaiser, 3-15 for 36 yards. In the second half, we could start with Brian Kelly saying he doesn't want to go to a bowl at 5-7. and seven. We could start with him saying he needs to reevaluate the play calling. Or we could start with another double-digit blown lead. Um... Priester, I, 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 I turn the microphone over to you. You I, can pick one of those eight eight options. What were they again? No. Uh, <laughs> I was actually a little surprised to hear him say on Sunday that he didn't want to go to a bowl game at, at five and seven. Now, I understand that he probably doesn't think that he's going to be five and seven. But, you know, it was just the other day. He was talking about it didn't matter whether they won or lose. It was how they played. Yesterday he said the only thing that matters is beating USC you know, I, I think we all kind of envision a 2014 situation coming up again. He did also say that they're way better prepared than they were two years ago in that situation. But here I am veering off into the next game yeah. like I did last Monday. Um, <laughs> How's Juju Smith? Maybe because I'm trying to avoid that. Well, there is a question about the, the officiating, and I, I guess I'll wait on that. But the, the, the blown leads at home, it's just it's unbelievable. The lack of adjustments, that's where I'll start. The lack of adjustments... The inability to adjust the way the opposing team does. I mean, clearly Bud Foster adjusted at halftime. And clearly their offense adjusted at halftime as well, outscoring Notre Dame 20-7 to in the second half. I understand why Notre Dame decided to take the win in the third quarter because you're up 10 and you might as well go ahead and go for it then. But it ended up hurting them down the stretch again when they needed to have one drive into the wind. It was, for me, it was Bud Foster by knockout. It's about making adjustments in a game like this. Look. They cut the lead. Virginia Tech cut the lead to 24-14. It just becomes manageable at that point for, for a visitor to come back. And I think Pete mentioned when it was 24-14. Well, first of all, when it was 17-0, Pete began looking up blow leads for, for, yeah. for what we were going to need. But it was 24-14. I think we stopped taking But at some, that point, they were playing so well. I mean, were, I did not I, think they were going to blow that lead. I tell you again. what, uh, to my left, Mr. Sampson, at 24-14, as I get up to go get a drink of water, says... You know it's going to be 24-21, right? It's immediately yes. down the field. Was, I was yeah running through the press yeah. box, banning, banging on a, a pot and a pan. I said, you know, we're going to text the score right away to start the second half. Third, third play of the third yeah. quarter, the 62-yarder to C.J. Carroll. And, and a bad matchup yeah. for Tranquil and stud still shades to the wrong receiver. And it's a little thing, we're too. off and running. And, oh, and here's what happens after that. First of all, we, we put this in the notes. Tim Tim did an off-season study on this about first responders. Notre Dame's offense responding to a score by the other team. Virginia Tech scored six times, four touchdowns and two field goals. Notre Dame produced zero points on the six ensuing drives. In the second half, these are Notre Dame's possessions. Three plays, six yards, minute 37. Four plays, seven yards. Four plays, 78-yard touchdown or 78 yards for a touchdown, 67-yard run by Josh Adams. That was the highlight. Three plays minus four yards. They possessed the ball for a minute. Three plays, six yards. They possessed the ball for 43 seconds. Three plays minus five yards, just over a minute. And then the game-ending drive that was kind of scrambled. I thought it was kind of an anomaly last year when I went, or this summer when I went through the games. I'm like, wow, the offense just, they don't, they didn't respond very well when the other team scored. Considering they scored 55 touchdowns last year. Yeah, but no, 0 for 6 when they had a chance to stem the tie. Now, Virginia Tech's... The, the most they scored in a row was 14 to nothing, which is uh, different than the other home losses when Duke scored 21 in a row, Michigan State scored 36 in a row, Stanford scored 17 in a row, and in a win, Miami scored 20 in a row. So what we're basically saying is the same thing that happened earlier this season happened in October, happened in November, 
and that's why they're four and seven and staring down the barrel of a loaded gun this week. Yeah, look, they this team has gotten no better None. from the start of the season. Um, that's just not a claim Brian Kelly can make with a straight face right now. That this team improved during the course of the season. If you want to say a couple players got better, you can say the defense, players, the defense, but the offense got worse. But the offense got worse. So yeah, no yeah. doubt. Yeah, I mean the offense has really been in the tank. It's the last seven games they've been outscored fifty-one sixteen in the fourth quarter. So I mean, what was Brian Kelly's big thing was get the game to a fourth fourth quarter. They'll figure out a way to win it, which has been. A winning formula for him here. I mean, I went back over his career. He started 0-3 in games that were one score or tied entering the fourth quarter. Started 0-3, then was 21-5 from there and is 1-6 since. So, I mean, his, his winning percentage during that 21-5, that is much better than his overall winning percentage, which is, which is shocking. <clears throat> and I think says a lot about his ability to make a difference at the end of the game because that's, look, that's why... That's why they pay you the money to make the difference at the end of the game, and it just it hasn't happened for him this season. It hasn't happened for the program this season. Um, so yeah, to to blow four double digit leads at home, they came back to beat Miami, lost to Duke, Michigan State, and then this weekend, it's just it's really confounding. It's hard to get your head around why this is happening. Um, but I mean, if, let's talk Kaiser for a minute. Starting with a blow to the head he took in the third quarter, I don't know if that affected his performance the rest but of the way because he was already <laughs> off. The, he was he was coming off the rails before that hit. It wasn't like he had hit five passes in a row and then got hit in the head. I think he had missed three or four in a row as part of the three of fifteen second half for forty or for thirty six yards. Um, certainly did not help, but it's. It's hard to make sense of what happened to Notre Dame. Well, offense I mean, he now. was sharp early. I mean, he was he was definitely yeah. sharp early, and and I felt like in 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 watching the game last night that look, the young receivers weren't getting open. They were they were covered. There was safety help over the top. There was way more pressure on Kaiser in the second half. I mean, I can't put it all on him because I don't think that he had a really good chance to be successful in the second half. Yeah, I, I don't. I think it's a systemic offensive. Not failure, but systemic offensive issues for the last better part of two months. It's not all on Kaiser. It's, Kaiser hasn't been the best player in the arena like everybody needed him to be. Like, nobody really needed him to be in some of these losses. But, you know who was? Jerron Jones. Jerron Jones, in the last three non-option games, great effort against Stanford. Wasn't a stat sheet stuffer. But there's the Miami game and five stuffs, career high, ten tackles, fumble recovery, pass defended in this game. Yeah, the only pass broken up by Notre Dame. The only Dame. pass broken up by Notre Dame players, Jerron Jones. <laughs> the line of screen. And, you know, it's, he is, this This is a discussion for later months, but he really started playing good football. I don't want to say winning football because he begged out of two other games, but, boy, I mean, this is, you know, they he became a football player here at the end, and it didn't matter. It's, they, yeah. they lost two of those three games and almost blew the other one. It, it's, it's strange to watch Notre Dame operate this year. Yes, in many ways. It is. Um, it, it's, you would think that when your nose tackle becomes dominant, that everything would follow suit defensively. Yeah. Well, well, they didn't. Virginia Tech didn't put up big numbers running the football. No, I, but they ran for first downs eight times in the second absolutely. half, which is efficient. That Pete's efficiency stat. They, yeah. they might have averaged 2.9 yards per carry in the second half, but they stuck with it. They did. And they, they moved the chains. And, you know, of it. and the receivers, it's in the. Uh, 
tell the tape the the big three receivers and Carroll had like four catches in the first half. In the second half, they had 191 yards and 13 catches. And again, that's an adjustment. Now that's an adjustment against an inexperienced defensive yeah. coordinator, Mike Elston, which you can somewhat expect. On the, the the flip side, I guess you could somewhat expect because you're going against Bud Foster. But the drop off was so significant that you didn't. You know, as we've seen so many times, the momentum shifts and they don't have any answers to prevent. I think that's the problem because I I think you can't expect that from Bud Foster, but you should also expect it from Brian Kelly to be able to to, uh, combat that. That's why they pay him the money, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's where they are. And the numbers are the numbers. Brian Kelly and Charlie Weiss, Weiss's final 29 games and the current 29-game run that Brian Kelly's on are identical. And there were so many parallels to... The Connecticut game and the Virginia Tech game, uh, and just the 2009 season and the 26 season, it it is eerie. It makes you uncomfortable to look, and you're like, "Oh yeah, that's that happened then. Oh yeah, that too. Oh yeah, then there was that. Oh yeah, that that also was the same." Um, and I'm not advocating that Brian Kelly get fired, but the program is in as much as Brian Kelly can get up there and say. You know, the, the problems that are happening are not program problems. And if you really want to look minutely and say, well, that echo, if Echo made St. Brown hadn't dropped that pass and Josh Adams had a few drops and, you know, we had a misfit run alignment, that's fine. Um, but, I mean, that's, that's not, you're not, <laughs> that's like you're not seeing the forest through the bark. Yeah. Like, you're just, like, staring at a trunk of one tree <laughs> and not looking big enough picture because, look, I and again, we've said this a few times, or at least I have, look, I don't expect Brian Kelly to get in his press conference or his teleconferences and explain what he's thinking about his staff and where the program's going. It, just, it doesn't make sense for him to do that, nor do I think he's probably come to these decisions yet. But... There's just no way they can keep doing what they're doing next year and hope that it works out because, I mean, look, Jaron Jones and Isaac Rochelle are gone, and Norian's defensive line currently will return four tackles for loss and zero sacks. That's what, this that's season. what I, yeah, again, we said going into this year the concerns about the defensive line. If you thought there were concerns about the defensive line this year, Tim, yeah. who is, who starts next year, especially if Daniel, I mean, if Daniel Cage's career, which has to be at least oh, somewhat it's, it's in jeopardy at this he, point. He missed three games. He's missed three games and counting with a concussion. I would hope they would hold him out against USC at this point. He missed two games last year with a concussion, and he had another concussion in the spring. That's that's a problem. It doesn't mean that he's not going to try and play next year. It means he could get a concussion in the spring, or a concussion in August, or a concussion in game one, and then you're out of it. If you don't have Daniel Cage, Tillery has to move to nose tackle, which weakens. Unless Yule, unless Yule is such a big, strong. But then, okay, we're, 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 we're talking about eighteen-year-olds. Then that's. Well, you know, I, I, yeah. I'm saying there's a good chance. Is it Darnell? Darnell Yule comes in and starts in nose guard. I'm sorry, I haven't said I haven't said it in a while. <laughs> it's just like this is where Notre Dame is. Yeah. Bring everybody back. I, they're yeah, starting start a tackle that year. What's his name again? <laughs> <laughs> I said Yule. I had his last name. I haven't said it in a while. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 I thought it was better than saying it wrong. Yes. <laughs> yes. Ewell. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's just they're they're in a world of hurt defensively next year on the line, uh, which is a shame because the back seven is kind of interesting. They're starting over at quarterback. Well, um, their offensive line returns completely intact, which you would hope they would make some progress there. But I mean, look, that's 
that's a there there are some operational issues happening there. I don't it's like you look at what's happening with Harold and McGlinchey with the false starts and Smusterford with the snapping. It just that's not working. Um and it, it is more than just like offensive line technique. It's more than Harry Heastan. It comes to the whole operation, which you know, gets into play calling, how it's put together. I mean, I thought it was fairly Brian Kelly is not one to even sort of subtweet his uh, offensive coaches in his teleconferences. But when he says, look, the play calling is not good enough, something needs to change, I need to I need to readdress that. I mean, that, that puts a lot on Mike Dembrock because he we know he's the one calling the plays. Yeah. This would have been a great thing for him to address after week four. Instead of week eleven when the season's over. Well, that's I mean, right. I mean, when you have starts. five, you have five or six yeah. false starts in the eleventh game of the year, and the one on McGovern, I'm telling you, bars jumped at the same time. So he could have had one too, and they had one negated by. Well, one by a penalty, a terrible snap. Right, um, right. So they had you know a, a good false start, I guess. Which bars was bars and Harold moved at the same time. Yeah, okay, it was, it was that play, but Kaiser's that many head. false starts in week eleven. They're going to have three bad I mean, months how in three can, months. How season. can an offensive line be so undisciplined in the eleventh game of the year? How is that possible? Well, I don't. I don't even think it's a discipline issue. I think it's just their the operation is bad. Like, well, whether that's Mustafford not understanding the count, Kaiser McGlinchey not understanding is a, McGlinchey the is a discipline issue. Not, I mean, I don't, I, yeah, he's a good kid. He's not a discipline yeah, issue yeah. on a team. I'm saying that that the false starts are a result of yeah. not being able to hold your water, as they say. Tightly wound or whatever. Yeah. I don't know why that makes you jump off sides of a sporting event. But, no, if you were to take the three months separately, Nordy's best month was October, when at one point their offense produced 13 points in a two-week losing stretch. Two-week stretch where they lost both games. I mean, it's it's amazing. Because Brian Kelly mentioned after the Texas game, excuse me, if we're giving up 50 points in Week 10, we'll readdress this. Well, they're not giving up 50 points in Week 10. They are giving up 34 but their offense is Yeah, you got it. six false starts yeah, in the eleventh game. They're they're worse issues than just having a bad defense right now, and, and we're going into game twelve. And he doesn't want to go to a bowl game at five and seven because they're not gonna qualify out of the other five and seven teams. He knows what's happening. First of all, you're right. <laughs> they have USC. The, the biggest issue between a bowl game and Notre Dame is USC. Not the ten teams that are ahead of them in the APR. <laughs> that's, that's secondary. We'll worry he about is, that when we get to He's it. well aware. Of the fact that even if they were to beat USC, they're not going to end up getting the bowl bid. So it's better to say, "I don't want to go to a bowl game at five and seven. It's better just to end on one." Is it that, or is he is he is he planning an exit strategy in December? Oh yeah, I mean, it is interesting. To you read. don't need to bother saying that though if you're going to leave, right? I mean, no. you've lied before. No. I, just, <laughs> I just think it's like interesting, and then you see national media talk about, well, the LSU job, Brian Kelly would get a call there. I mean, the fit aside, which I think would be awful. Um, you're going to have a, a Boston Northeast. Orgeron's a better. Guy. Orgeron's a yeah. way better yeah. fit. Um, <laughs> that doesn't make a lot of sense. You, but I mean, Tim, you wrote it. Priest, you wrote this in your column, like, if a mutual separation might benefit both parties. I, th- I think it would. Now, look, I also You're said. You're not predicting it. No, the, the odds are still good that, or, or better than 50% or whatever number you want to put on it, that he'll be, he'll be back next year. But 
it might be a situation where both sides say, and again, you, you know, Kelly's not going to walk away from this contract. I think there's some people that think, they're, oh, he's just going to resign. I mean, they've got to make the numbers work in his favor. He has some very good legal representation. And I, I, I don't think it would be a shock if it went in that direction where, where both sides just kind of mutually agreed. That's a... You know, that's kind of, I'm throwing that out there. I realize yeah, I, that's I, out there, but... No, I mentioned that, and after one of the losses, I've lost track, that I thought that <laughs> Kelly would be a, was going to do really well in his next job, and he would be refreshed, and Nordy would be refreshed by making a change. That was, I don't, I'm not advocating firing people. I think both would be better off if they went their separate ways. I don't know what another year does. What, come back and win nine games or you're gone. What, who cares? What does that do? Win ten games. Well, you're just, I mean, the reason to retain Kelly is... Win you don't ten have, games would. Yeah, that would be great. That would be. Yeah. But if you, the, the member and reason, but you're just hoping to win ten games. You're going to go four and eight to ten and two. If you Probably had so, I think you could if you had some defensive linemen. But I don't know how you, you know if Donovan Jeter was coming in. You know, I'd feel a hell of a lot better about the defensive line. <laughs> These I didn't freshmen know. solve a lot of problems. I, and, <laughs> and Darnell Ewell? Actually, yeah, I think yeah. those two. I well, do. they would play. They I would do. play. It's just they would wear. I green. think those guys would play in a fairly normal year because I think they're that good coming in as freshmen. I but don't. I think you're right, except they would have to be the best players on the defense. That's I the, understand. <laughs> what are your. So you have Trombetti. I don't even. I don't have a depth chart Bonner. in front of me. I mean, have, it's Trombetti, Bonner, Tillery, and Dalen Hayes. Okay. Maybe maybe Jay Hayes inside Bonner out, but those are your guys. J- How much did Jay Hayes play this year? Not a lot. Um, I mean, he got about, since the firing, he got about 20 snaps a game, which is not nothing. I mean, those are real snaps. Um, but, I mean, next year Rochelle's gone, so it's maybe Jay Hayes takes over that position and Bonner is inside your three technique, Tillery is your nose, Dalen Hayes is your weak side end. Okay. That, I mean, okay. Actually, that's a, like, that. That you, makes sense. You can talk yourself lineup. into that being like that's a pretty good starting lineup, but you need more. Than four, you need more you than need four, four guys. Yeah, four that was kind of my more. point with the freshmen. Is those guys would be great if they were backing up Lewis Nixon, Stefan to it, and like <coughs> kind of like the Sheldon Day years. You know, that's yeah. It's just hard to put them in there for twelve yeah. games and say, hey, now you got Stanford after eleven games and go have fun. You know, guys. I mean, you let linebacker core got a ton of experience here, played pretty well. I like the, the defensive corners, backs. You, know, you like what you have coming back there. Offensive line, despite the struggles. You've got a lot of guys coming back there, and you have presumably Kramer and Eichenberg ready to contribute then at that point. Notre Dame's secondary is going to have a rough day on Saturday, but that does not dissuade how I feel about their corners for next year. It's just a tough situation. No, right I still now. think I think Dante Vaughn has really leveled off uh, here in, in recent weeks, and I know there was some option in there, and he, you know, he certainly wasn't comfortable in that. But, um. You know, Julian Love's outstanding. Julian Love, I made a comment tail of the tape. He doesn't just tackle a guy. He fully wraps his entire body around him and throws him down. I mean, he's the greatest tackler they've ever had at, at quarter. It's Whoa. amazing. He's just, I'm just, I, no, I'm just saying. But, but he, he Man, is, imagine him on the defense with Donovan Jeter. And he, doesn't just, he doesn't just trip guys up. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he just... he. He wraps them and throws them down. He's a very, very good He's uh, good All right, he's well, good let's close that second one on Brian Kelly saying, look, he's going to look internally and externally for the defense coordinator hire. That's about as specific as he's been on some of his offseason coaching staff moves. I guess it's not really a surprise. Yeah. I don't really know what else you could say because you can't say I'm just going to look external. Well, he didn't really Cause say then, anything because he Elston, said I'm going to look inside and outside. So. Then, what? You say, I'm only looking outside. Elston and Hudson were like, 
Thanks a lot. <laughs> you're gonna, you're I'm gonna only go. gonna look inside. <laughs> then somebody burns out his house. Like it's um, but look, it, it's what has to happen. Um, whether that is just what's happening with Charlie Strong in Texas, that feels pipe dreamy. As a defensive coordinator, they're gonna get the head coach of Texas to come back to South Bend. Um, but yeah, then you got the Dave Aranda situation. There's gonna be a new head coach there. Hard to imagine him walking away. Mike Elko at Wake Forest, they've been consistently pretty good this year. Um, beyond that, I'm not really sure where Notre Dame goes. But um, it, the players uh, that I talked to last week were like, hey, look, the Elston-Hudson system works. Now, they don't get a vote because um, every player likes their current coach. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's worth keeping well, in mind. <laughs> including like, the one that was fired. Yeah, I mean, I'm, wa- I'm watching my... Twitter feed fill up with pictures from the Charlie Strong's press conference today, and there are a ton of current and former Texas players there. They don't get a vote. Um, but I d- you do you have to acknowledge that the defense has been better. No doubt. Uh, even if they had a bad second half on, on Saturday. Oh, sure. Yeah, but yeah. It, it, it's you have to go outside. Yes. We, yeah. we broached this a month ago because we thought we were trying to create the best case scenario of outstanding Stanford-level game defense for eight straight games, and that didn't materialize. All right, we've amazingly stretched this first segment to almost 22 minutes talking about a 4-7 and seven football team. So we will come back and go and do uh, taking questions from our readers. Welcome back to segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider, our burning up the boards portion. We have the first question from Who JND Fan. In light of the recent election season, what does BK have to do in the first hundred days after the USC game to make this program great again? Uh, new defensive coordinator. Figure out who's calling the plays on offense. Um, I would start with that. And then... Figure out how to recruit defensive linemen <laughs> better than what you've been doing. Um, and you it's do like, that in 100 days? You didn't do that yeah. in the previous seven yeah. years. And it's look, it, it has to be acknowledged that the freshman class of defensive linemen is probably pretty good. I mean, we're joking about Darnell Ewell and Donovan Jeter, but like the guys they have here now should be pretty good. Um, I like Hayes and Okwara. Uh, I think that's a good group. Kareem. Um, Kareem as well. I mean, that's he's at least a good college Kareem player. Kareem certainly we um, overlooked him in, in evaluation. Yeah, so you need man, but I, you got it. You just you got to get if if you can figure out the offense, the defense, and the special teams. That's where I would start. Well, that's what I was going to say. You have to. I mean, you li- you literally have to to a large extent reevaluate everything. Yeah, you know, I mean, right on down to strength and conditioning. Where you know, when you're four and seven, everybody says you look weak. But they kind of do at times. I mean, they, well, I, I mean they, certain, the, the offensive line doesn't get forget a whole bunch forget of Forget how they look. They've been outscored 51-16 to 16 in the fourth so quarter in, in the last seven says, games. Yeah. You know, the, how they finished in November the last few years has been poor. Uh, and I do think that Jack Swarbrick should have a better understanding of strength and conditioning than he's ever had at Notre Dame because of the off-season hire they made of Duncan French as a sort of director of sports performance position who has been a strength in conditioning, a fitness coach in multiple sports at the Olympic level, who has a PhD, who understands how it all fits together, um, who reports not directly to Swarbrick, but that was one of Swarbrick's big hires of the off-season. Like, 
the whole strength and conditioning stuff, like, isn't this cloak and dagger and like, well, that's off in the goog anymore. Like, that's there's a more of a conversation I think around the athletic department about like, this is how it works. This is how it can be better. I believe they're going to be six. And, this is the top of my head. Six and ten in November since going to the championship game. Uh, I think that you're close. Yeah, if you're, there could be an October 31st game or something like that in there. But that's the. Uh, but I have a question for you guys off top. This question: Wouldn't you, if you're Brian Kelly in return, call the plays next year? Yes. I don't see any other reason. I don't see any, unless you're turning it over 100 percent to Mike Sanford. That's that's an option too. I mean, if you're why Brian you... Kelly, what do you do? And your job is on the line. You have to win ten, as Pete said. Call the plays. Yeah, yeah call them. I I don't I don't know that he'll do that. I and I, you know, maybe Sanford leaves then at that point. If, it, if we okay, we've right. got three guys to make decisions, and you've used two of us, and, and not me. I, I, one of those two things it should be needs to be done in the in the first hundred days. You know, they did avoid injuries this year. That is one. I mean, remember the last three years we've, we've been saying that they did <laughs> they did avoid injuries, so you can't even you can't even use injuries being an excuse for being four and eight. So no, the previous two years you had some injury issues. Um, <coughs> they fought through them last year to probably to win the most games. Yeah, I mean they could have only won basically one more game last year with those injuries. Uh, the previous year they collapsed under the weight of those injuries, but this year injuries were not the reason. But wouldn't you like to see? I mean, wouldn't you like to see Sanford call the plays? Are, yeah. are you do, do you are you confident that Brian Kelly takes over calling the plays, knowing his desire to throw the football? And... No, I meant to be. I meant really meant if you were Brian Kelly, like you're fighting for your job. But I would like to see Mike Sanford call the plays. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, w- I would too. I mean, I don't. I don't you, I, you have to at least give it a shot. I right? also feel like it's more if Brian Kelly calls the plays, he is accepting responsibility for either the extend, extending of his tenure. Or the mm-hmm. end of it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it's the smartest thing to do. Maybe it's better to have Mike Sanford call the plays. But at this point, when you ask him the question post game, do you get more involved when the offense is struggling? Why in the world would you not? You're a head coach I, that is designed the entire offense. You have to be the kind guy. Of what I've, I, kind of what I expected as an answer when I asked. Three him. and out, punt. Three and out, punt. Three and out, punt. No, nope, keep going. Keep going. I don't want to get in the way. Don't want to get in the way, you guys. You guys seem to have something going here. The three of us are getting worked over by Bud Foster. But let's just stay the course. <laughs> It's like, yeah, it's like, until too many chefs in the kitchen, it's like, uh, you're sending plates out with no food on them. <laughs> All right, Blue Chip Man, speculate. If Notre Dame had a jumbotron in the stadium, would it have forced the replay crew to review the non-targeting calls? I, I don't know if anything forces the replay people that, like, that that pisses me off what happened there. That's That's just, that's ridiculous. I mean, why in the world, why do you even review it if you're going to refuse to look at that, you can. Plus, you can see the players, the players groggy. All the more reason just to yeah. call it, just to give the player the chance. You know, now I mean, Brian Kelly was already asked on Sunday about, you know, basically being pushed as to why he didn't take Kaiser off the field. It's a legitimate question, um, you know, because based upon the way Kaiser reacted to everything, he was banged up. Now I don't think that he played that way, but. That's not exactly, you know, medical protocol to judge it based upon the way he looked. No, and I and I, Brian Kelly is right that when he comes to the sideline, it's not up to him. His concussion protocol goes to the doctors. I mean, that's the training staff and the doctors are the ones that grab Kaiser to find out. That's and that's for player safety because that way a coach can't say, "I need you to play." It's totally out of his hands, right? And, don't go, and, I don't. I don't think. So, what did Notre Dame's medical staff do to check to see if Kaiser was okay? Yeah, I don't understand what concussion protocol. 
in actually game. is in game. You mean? Um, that's like it's kind of like a, I've been thinking about this for like that's an off season story I'd love to do is like get somebody at Notre Dame. Doing yeah, we just like, they throw put, that term out. What put, put me put me through concussion protocol? Like what does that even mean? Yeah, so so you good. understand? Um, you could like withstand a whole Notre Dame pass rush for ten yeah. minutes and see if you go into protocol after that. To, to answer Blue Chip Man's question, I think the answer is yes. The play would have been reviewed if there was a jumbotron because they would have showed it. Brian Kelly would have taken a timeout, and they wouldn't have That's had a choice. Point. And eighty thousand people would have lost. And, and yeah. the crowd reaction certainly would. Yeah, would influence. But come on, man, what are you doing? But you shouldn't need that. You no. Should not no, need I use the guy's happen. name. Um, Who is the you, the replay official? Is not listed on the flip card we get. Uh, but box. he was on this flip card. Do I have it? Um, no, not that one. Wait, do I have it? Tom, Tom Potts was... <laughs> I do. Tom Potts was the field judge that made the interference call on Cole Luke. The replay official was listed as Joe Ryder. Oh. Uh, and, and... Okay, yeah. So they're all ACC, right? Yeah. When it's not... Well, it's, yeah. Notre Dame has an ACC replay official right. at all home games. Right, okay. Uh, so he was the guy, uh, or at least according to the... This flip card. It's strange because they look... I mean, everything is called targeting almost these days unless Notre Dame's involved this year. It's a remarkable... I mean, that... Think back of the Stephon at targeting. And then think of the two that got passed this year. It's just unbelievable. We, we do have a, a, a comment from our rules expert. It's at the top of its top of our message board. And he lists off the, the jargon as to what they're looking for. And it fit the entire criteria. There's just... There's no gray area there at all. He's sliding... He's defenseless. It was helmet to helmet. What? Yeah, you, there was no reason not to look at that. There's no reason not to look at it. I mean, I understand that you could miss a call. Well, I mean, he was he didn't necessarily put his helmet on his helmet. But you're certainly going to evaluate what happened there, right? Just protocol. I don't know how you don't. It was you're, rough. You for are Brian. deliberately you are deliberately avoiding looking at the replay. Yeah, and it was a rough That's situation for Brian Kelly post game because you could tell he didn't want to go down the road of this is this is why we lost situation you know but he has to defend his player and he had a right to be angry about it and when you're ending your press conference in your seventh loss of the year with something about the officials i think it looks bad nationally but he had every right to do it yeah every yeah, right he should and i i don't think it looks bad nationally because um defending his what's player. more important than what's more important the fact that they lost to virginia tech or deshaun kaiser having an injured brain the second is way sure. more freaking important. We should point out that we talked to Kaiser afterwards, and yeah, in our he, medical opinions, he didn't look like he had an injury. Brain, yeah, he, but he, he was. Look, uh, if if he had any injury at all, he wouldn't have come out. Yeah, um, any serious one at least. So if he, like that, and like I checked with my medical sources just to sort of back up what Brian Kelly and they said yes, that's correct. He did not have a concussion. Still, he got hit in the head with a helmet. As a defenseless player, it should have been called. Terry Benedict. Over the next four years. Are we closer to repeat a season like this year or make the college football playoff? I think neither. I mean, I'm, I'm totally, I don't, I don't think you're ever going to see four and eight again for Brian Kelly. I don't think you'll see five and seven. I don't even think you'll see six and six. I think that it's an eight and nine win program. And he'll, as long as he stays through here, you'll see nine, eight, nine. Uh, I don't know if 10 is that close to the playoffs. They were close to the playoffs with 10 wins last time because they lost to the best team in the country on the road by two. And then went all the way through and were playing another great team in the last game of the year and lost on a field goal. That I mean, the ten and two wasn't that close. It was the circumstances of ten and two yeah. that kept them close. If they would have lost this year to Texas and Miami, 
ten and two, they've been nowhere near the playoffs right. this year. It, it was the circumstances of how strong those teams were last year that they lost to. So I think I, I put something on the, on the message board about this. You know, the the, the best three year run of Brian Kelly's tenure is twenty nine wins. There's two twenty nine year two twenty nine win uh, excerpts in three seasons. Mm-hmm. There's a twenty eight. You know, we're looking at a twenty two right now. I don't think it's going to get that bad again, but. 29 sounds pretty good, but it's 29 and 10. That sounds worse at that point. 28 and 11, 29 and 10. And I think Tim, that's the question is one or the other. <laughs> playoffs then. They're not going to be four. Anymore. Yeah, I would say, I mean, closer to the playoffs, and I don't believe that's going to yeah. happen because they had a great defensive line then, and they're not yeah. anywhere close to that now. On the topic of they wouldn't be anywhere close to the playoff if they finished 10 and 2, but had won six straight, including beating USC. I don't think that's accurate because... Oh, everybody's bad. Wisconsin yeah. is six, and they're nine <laughs> yeah. and two. They have a rougher schedule than Notre Dame, though. Wisconsin. Yeah, they I mean, wouldn't have had a great argument for it, but they would have been close. Okay, but strength so. of schedule would have totally eliminated Notre Dame. Probably so. Yeah, no question. Chuck Darnay, what level of blame is assignable to Mike Sanford for offensive woes this year? What is the true role and level of responsibility? Well, I think, you know, some of the inconsistency with Deshaun Kaiser, the footwork, that's all his responsibility. But, I mean, as far as putting the offensive woes on on, on him. I, I don't we're not I don't think we're in a position to do that. He's he's the quarterback coach. Uh, I'm sure he has input in the offensive strategy, but he doesn't have the main input. It's Mike Denbrock making the, the calls. So you know that's why I, I think we're all kind of curious to see what it would be like with Mike Sanford calling the plays. I, I yeah, is that a gamble? I, you know, I don't know. He was pretty Pretty highly touted two years ago when he came in here, but there aren't games I can't after four and eight, right? Yeah, well, yeah, and I, I don't. I mean, how are, are we in a position to put any kind of blame on Sanford other than maybe some of the fundamentals that break down with Kaiser? Yeah, I would think. I mean, if we have, we gave him a lot of credit last year for Deshaun Kaiser's improvement through the year in development, so we would have to get the blame this year. Right. There's, there yeah. always have to be. You can't just. It's like when people are mad that you are critiquing a player or a coach. Well, when they're twelve and zero, you talk about how good they are. The four and eight, you talk about the opposite thing. That's yeah, what it is. So that's what they are. He's involved with Deshaun Kaiser's stagnation this year. Yeah, but, but I mean, he was good to begin with. So, and Kaiser has improved in some areas. Well, notably in the red zone, he's his TDINT has improved almost two to one. I think he was like uh, six to four or six to one or four to one now, and he was like two to one last year. TDINT. Um, so look. If you want to say that Mike Sanford has led to Deshaun Kaiser stagnating into a first-round pick, I guess that's fine. You can do that. Um, I don't think that's a great argument. Um, I would like to see him just call plays next year and and see what you got. Um, Because he seems like a pretty innovative guy. And if there's there's one thing pretty much everyone can agree on, and Brian Kelly probably would agree on this too, there's like a sense of staleness around what they're doing offensively. So what's better than just sort of having a new guy call plays. Uh, he's seen what you want to do, how you want to do it, but you certainly have a new eye for it. So it's, is Mike Sanford responsible for what's happening offensively? I would say probably not. Um, if you said, like, of all the offensive coaches, who's most part of the solution, Mike Sanford would be number one. Yeah, that's why, I mean, getting back to the question about the first 100 days, I, I think that you make that move. I think you make that move right away. Next up, Golden by name. Notre Dame's initial offensive game plans have seemed very effective, but as defenses make adjustments, there doesn't appear to be much of an ability for Notre Dame to counter offensively. 
What have you seen as being the primary reason behind their lack of second half production? <laughs> you know, I mean, I think we've kind of hit it already. It's just, it's the, the defenses adjust to them. It happened on Saturday. We've seen it all year. The, the long period, the long gaps without scoring, what else can it be other than it's a chess match and the defense is winning the chess match? The quarterback play is worse. The running backs are worse. The offensive line is worse. And the coaching is worse. And the wide receivers don't get open as much. I don't know what to tell you. Everything is worse. Look at, look at, Deshaun, look at Deshaun Kaiser against Stanford in the second half, Miami in the second half, and this game in the second half. It's worse. It keeps getting worse. Duke, worse. Offensive line, more penalties. Running game, worse. Opening drive, great. <laughs> Opening drive, great. Usually first quarter, very good. I mean, what is it, 116? They've scored 116 to 44 in the first quarter this year. Ten times out of 11, they've scored first, a first touchdown. It doesn't make sense. 116 to 44, is yeah, that right? In the first quarter, yes. Yeah, it's it's everything it's, gets worse. The quarterback gets worse. The lose. running back gets worse. The line gets worse. It's it's, it's difficult <laughs> it to is. go four and eight when you score first ten out of eleven games. Touchdown! First touchdown, ten <laughs> eleven games. It's amazing. Script the entire game plan. Script it. Just keep going. Oh, <laughs> Why this can't they giant sheets. <laughs> Why can't they make the entire plane out of the black box? They have three uh, offensive coordinators. They can all hold one end of this giant play card. Yeah. And script the entire <laughs> game down there. That's perfect. There's no problem. No, I, I, it's it is remarkable how much worse it gets. But so, what do you put? I mean, where do you put it mostly? On the coaching staff? <laughs> yes. I mean, you yeah. have to. You have to. And right? Unless yeah. it's like the players are. I don't know, like, taking a nap at halftime yeah, or something, and they're groggy. Like, I don't get it. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. It's, a, it's an adjustment issue, and Notre Dame doesn't make great adjustments. Well, on that happy note, J-Law won. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's about to change. Yeah. Pete posted a stat saying that Weiss and BK have identical 15-14 and 14 win-loss records over their last 29 games. What would you say are the differences and or similarities between these two runs? Uh, similarities would be... Well, I mean, they have an NFL quarterback, and losing close games. They're a mess defensively, yeah. uh, with guys who wanted to be hyper aggressive without the personnel to do so. That's a big part of it. You're losing close games. Uh, the lack of any authority to run the ball, despite having what seems to be good to decent running backs and a good to decent offensive line. Um, a lot of talk about execution. And looks and just the players not making it happen. Um, those would be the big things. Now, I so mean, you see a lot of similarities. I do see a lot yes. of similarities. I mean, there are. Well, it's seven um, close losses this year. Weiss had six yep. in his final year. Um, last year there were two. You don't count Ohio State. Previous year we go. You're going back to Florida State. Is that the 29 game span or the game after? Either way. Uh, it's, it's, it does not include Florida State. It's, okay, it starts with Navy then. That means there's two close losses there with uh, Northwestern and Louisville. Mm-hmm. And um, one close win with LSU. And four close wins last year. Is that the uh, close enough guess? Virginia, USC was a one-score game in the fourth quarter. Uh, Temple was a one-score game in the fourth quarter. Last year they were 2-1 and one in games that were within one score at the start of the fourth quarter. Stanford, Temple, and USC. Clemson, no. Oh, because it came all the way back. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Not yeah. So it. I mean, it's a little bit different in that. <clears throat> I mean, this bad streak for Brian Kelly started at the end of a. Or, or you, you had you. I mean, you went ten and three last year. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're. I mean, yeah. that's a. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. you, you, 
you went to the Fiesta Bowl last year. That's that's the biggest difference. Sure. But, you know, the numbers still say 15-14 last 29 games. Well, yeah, you know what? That is the biggest difference. It's amazing. If you want to throw them into the Fiesta Bowl last year, that you come back and you don't win two games in a row once during the course of a season. That is astonishing. 1960. That's an astonishing stat. Is the last time that they didn't win two in a row. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nonsensical. It is it's, out there. It's out. That, that is so shocking. Does that offset <laughs> losing well, the Fiesta Bowl? Yeah. Before you told me about that <laughs> no. stat, my wife brought it up to me. She's like, "Can you believe they haven't won two in a row since 1960? Like that's crazy." Like, yeah, that's that's pretty nuts. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, look, there are some similarities. I think there are obviously some huge differences as well. Um, mainly because I think they, the roster is in better shape um, moving forward than it was when Weiss was fired. Yes, I, I like, definitely. I like definitely. the players. Not not in a blowout, but it's better. Um, I think overall this staff of assistants is better. I think they have a higher quality of assistant coach now than they did then. But that it's the fact that it's even debatable that it's as similar as it is is pretty damning. Yeah. It's not a good situation. Um, You're writing down some good. I want to break there. something okay. up about the roster. <laughs> yeah, when Charlie Weiss left, Zach Martin, Manti Teo, Tyler Eifert, Harrison Smith, Robert Blanton, Jamar Slaughter, Zeke Mata, Nick Martin. Uh, Jonas Gray, I'm just going off the top of my head right now, just literally at this very moment, Jonas Gray. You're just freestyling. Sierra Wood. That's not a bad start of your roster, right? Ethan Johnson, Ian Williams, San Francisco 49ers, Ian Williams, Caprin Lewis Moore, and Fox and Calabrese. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Darren Walls. This is not a bad roster that began the 2010 season for Brian Kelly. You quarterback make, was a problem. Mm, yeah, you make a compelling point. The overall roster... Quarterback, and, and then quarterback remained a problem for a long yeah. period of time. The overall <laughs> roster was pretty darn good that he inherited. Now, in fairness to Brian Kelly, none of those names were all that good under Charlie Weiss. Correct. So, offsets it a little bit. Yeah. My man tie was fine, but I mean, you know, he was a, he was a, no, he was a freshman, but I mean, he was going, to be, he he was going to be good, good. yeah. Right. But Harrison Smith was a lost soul. Robert Blanton had actually regressed from freshman to sophomore. Mm-hmm. Darren Walls actually left. That year was 08. Yeah, it was 08. He came. Yeah. yeah. Um, Zeke Mata was not good yet. Zach Martin hadn't played yet. Tyler Eifert hadn't played yet. Kyle Rudolph is also on that roster. He was good. There's a lot of first round. Michael Floyd is on the roster. Player development. <laughs> no, it's true. Oh, I think he. Yeah, I, I think Brian Kelly had a lot to do with the development of a lot of those guys I said. I mean, yeah. Michael Floyd was going to be good anyway. But there are players in place. Um, so there's a lot of similarities. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. kind of undercut the roster's better <laughs> argument. I just, I'm just thinking that I, I, I do, I don't like the their Weiss's players because Brian Kelly coached Tyler Eifert and coached. I just hate that argument. Zach Martin in, and in, coach, every, yeah. in every direction. In every, yeah, argument. in every direction because a coach should just be good with players. You should yeah. inherit players and you yeah. should coach them well. It's That's, your job. To yeah, coach, you're you're, you're, you're well, a coach. Look, yeah. you're always getting. As a coach, you're always getting new players. Right. You have to coach them up. Whether you inherit yeah. some that have already been there or they're coming in new, they're all your players. Yeah, pretty much. Although in 2010, <laughs> a distinction was actually made between my yeah. players and the former players. There is that. There is that. And you know what's interesting about that distinction? The next year when they had their best year, it was a mixture. His guys he brought in were pretty important to that. The young guys were important to that run too. 
not as important as Manti Teo, Zach Martin, Tyler Eifert, but right. he brought in a lot of guys that are yeah. involved in that. So the moral of the story is never say that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now that we've talked ourselves in circles, we're going to wrap this edition of Irish Hill Street Insider. We'll be back later this week to preview USC as Notre Dame season comes to a close. So until then, Pete Sampson, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, thanks